The cross still stands, the cross still stands, the blood still flows, the work is finished, and hell still knows that the grave is still empty, the stone is still rolled, and you're still high and lifted up. Oh, you're still seated on the throne. The cross still stands. The blood still flows. The work is finished. And hell still knows that the grave is still empty. The stone is still rolled. And you're still high and lifted up. Oh, you're still seated on the throne. All praise, all praise to the name above all names. That's Jesus, oh Jesus, you reign, cause you're the name above all
And I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus And I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Cause your name Break every stronghold, break every stronghold, 
just keep the worship music going a little bit. Just keep worshiping. If you have a prayer language, you can sing it out. Everybody lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Father, for open hearts this morning. Thank you for ministering to us and through us. We just thank you for the blessing of living under the new covenant and having your spirit within us as, as well as among us and around us. Thank you for speaking to us through each other and for, for your love touching every heart for ministering to people right where they're at, no matter what the message is. Thank you for crafting and um, 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 producing in each person exactly what they need to hear. In Jesus' name, we thank you for being so good to us as we acknowledge you at the beginning hours of this new week, at the beginning of this day, which is your day. We just thank you for being our God, and we love you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, go ahead and say hi to a few people if you haven't already.
Wow. All right. Well, is it time to dismiss the kids? All right, the kids are dismissed. Thank you so much to the Lemires for helping with children's ministry. Everybody's got their part. Um, my wife is um, is going to be organizing all of our outreaches from, from here going forward. She's coming to me with all the good ideas and what should happen and how it should happen. I'm like, okay, just run it. Run it. Make it happen. She's, she's got a real heart for evangelism and for reaching out to people. And, and uh, she's really, really good at getting things done. So, so she's our special treasure. And, um, and speaking of, um, of outreaches, we, we just continue. Um, what, third week in a row now? to put out at least 60 invitations into the community. Um, we've, been, um, we've been meeting people on the street. We've been going, going door to door. Like I said last week, I don't want to be perceived like the Jehovah's Witnesses, where if we show up at a door, people are thinking, oh, they're coming to convert us. I don't want it to, be, I don't want it to seem like that. But no, it's just, it's just, hey, we're not selling anything. Invitation to Outpost Church. We're just... Inviting people to church. Hey, we just started last October, and and um, if you don't have a church, church. That was that's pretty much the essence of it. And um, so we were working some houses down in this area uh, yesterday, um, and um, and it was it, it was it was cool. Um, and then we got to a parking lot that had a boat landing, and and uh, I got all the cars and the all the trucks in the parking lot. So, so I just put a flyer under every windshield wiper. You want to put it upside down so when they jump in, they see Outpost Church right there. And then a few guys pulling away. You know, we we have nothing to hide. We're just we're not trying to be sneaky or or anything. Um, if we have to try to hide things, there's something wrong. But but that's not us. And I, I went right down to the water and talked to some guys bringing their, bringing their sleds off the, off the, off the ice. And far as I could see, everybody that I could see out there on, Chisago Lake and South Lindstrom Lake were were probably coming right in at this landing. So they all got invited to church. Um, and um, we had about eleven personal invitations among among that, but it's, it's good. And that really gives me confidence in, in where we're going. Um, because as long as there's, as long as there's something flowing out of here in the form of ministry or invitation and invitation, you know, extending invitations, that's a form of evangelism too. That's just as valid, uh, as, as, uh, trying to, you know, bring somebody to full salvation on the street. One person plants, another person waters. God, God gives the increase. So, early this morning, I got in my car and started driving up here, and God gave me four words that I, I think, I think I want to put them on the website. 
but I'm looking for things to kind of typify who we are so people can get a sense of, uh, of, um, of us, you know, even, even before they come. But they were, you know, I, I don't know, I could just see it on the website going, Outpost Church, truth, glory, strength, no compromise. Uh, yeah, that, that seemed good. So, praise God. Well, welcome everybody. Um, we were talking um, last Sunday about, about Bible prophecy. And um, just um, let, me, let me answer this first. Why study Bible prophecy? Why focus on something if it's not practical and applicable to my life right now? But maybe it is. Number one, we, have a, we, we, we serve a real God that we are accountable to and meaningfully accountable because he is coming back. And, uh, and so, number one, it, it evokes a fear of God in our life. The fear of God is a very, very healthy thing. It's a constraint on, on wrong behavior. It's a sense of, of I, I am actually going to be accountable to, to, to him. And even in Proverbs chapter 1, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So it um, evokes a fear of God in our life. Number two, it deals with, with how we, we live. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, the word says that those of us that, that have, I guess I'm right close to it, the hope of his return, that um, when, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, 3, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So it impacts how, how we live and the decisions and the choices that we make. 2 Peter 3.11 says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, he's talking about the, the earth being totally melted down and, and um, recreated by God at, at the very, very end of everything. Um, so yeah, you can say, no, I don't believe in global warming. I believe in global melting. It's in the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holiness, in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. That's, that's Peter. Um, so it impacts how we live. It's motivation, number three, to be right and to be ready for Jesus' coming. You know, he always said, watch and pray, watch and pray. Luke 21:36 says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things 
that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. We're talking about why study Bible prophecy. It's motivation. There should be an excitement, number four, that the king is coming, that his justice doesn't sleep, and he's going to make things right in this fallen world. In Revelation 6, we see uh, great men, mighty men, people that today call themselves the elite, <laughs> um, going into caves in the earth and, and bunkers and trying to hide themselves from the, from the wrath of God that's coming down on the earth. And, but they're meeting God in his wrath. To us, he's our father. So something that would be very fearful to the unbelieving world when the wrath of God starts being poured out um, to us, you know, there's no hiding. We can run right out in the daylight and say, Father, you know, it's, it's totally, and, and we can be excited for, for his coming. Number five, study of end times uh, gives us a motivation to win souls, to make disciples, to finish our course as a church, to finish our course individually. And remember, God has chosen us to live in this time. There's been many wonderful and noble people in centuries and, and um, millennia before us that we really esteem and look up to, but, but who am I? But hold on. God picked me to live in this generation. Not to be born in 1944 like my dad, not to be born in 1912 like my grandpa, but to be born now, or in, in this time. Think about it. If you've got the game plan, it's easier to do a better job for the Lord. If I've got the big picture to look at, then I can see, okay, here's the big picture, and here's where I fit into it, and everything I do in this little sliver of time right here is going to totally um, it's going to totally impact for me my experience of eternity future. If we know what to expect, we can know how to prepare. Okay. For example, um, you know I really emphasize sound doctrine sound Bible teaching, getting established in the, in the basics of, of our faith, but, that's, but we need to be established in these things because there's, there's a heavy deception in this time. It's prophesied in the Bible. It's happening all around us. So many things, you, people don't know what to believe or, or, or what not to believe. Um, and then, you know, it, it impacts people personally. I found a found a story of a man in, in this book here, and um, he, was, um, he was in England, he was an agnostic, did not believe in the things of God, believed that God existed somewhere but had no need for him. His mother was a believer, had witnessed to him for many years. His father and many friends had all, also witnessed to this young guy. 
but he refused to accept the Lord. When his mother was dying, he went to her bedside, and just before she breathed her last breath, she said to him, don't take the mark of the beast. After she died, he thought, what in the world is the mark of the beast? He tried to find it in the Bible, but since the Bible was unfamiliar to him, he didn't find his answer. He went to a preacher and asked him to explain the mark of the beast, which he responded, the mark of the beast is in the book of Revelation. A day is coming when Jesus will come and remove the church from the earth, and an evil, wicked man will dominate the earth. If you ever take the mark of the beast in your hand or your forehead, you can never be saved. You can never be born again, and you will go to hell and the lake of fire forever and ever, is what the preacher told him. Hearing the explanation, the man got so nervous that he began sweating. He went home, fell on his knees that night, and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He became one of the greatest ministers in England. It was through an understanding of end-time events that this, man, that this man was saved. Interesting. So, last time that we were here, we, um, just to, to review, we talked about the... Um, We talked about the seven dispensations of time um, with uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 as our, as our text. Dispensation of, um, of innocence, conscience, human government, promise, law, grace, finally the millennium. And, we, and at the same time we kind of went through a chronology of events. Of, of how they, they play out in end times. And the further we go, the more reason you'll see for, for that order of events. We talked about three groups of people in the earth. The Apostle Paul said, well, the Apostle Paul was talking about matters of conscience in 1 Corinthians 10 and not offending people unnecessarily. That was what he was talking about. But he said, don't, don't give any offense to the Jews, the nations, or, or the church of God. Three groups of people. Okay? If we don't have the three groups of people squared away, we're going to be lost in Bible prophecy. Um, Jews that, that meet Jesus as their Messiah, many of them do. Okay? If they become born again, then they step out of the Jew category into the church category. You want to check the door? Somebody's there. They might be dropping off a book. Um, if somebody is, is a Gentile or in just a part of the nations, part of the world, you know, they get saved, then they move from the nation category into the church category. Okay? But we have the Jews, the nations, the church. God has a covenant with the Jewish people that is still valid today based on their faith in him and, and their covenant for the land of Israel. And they still have a very special place in, in, in his plan. They serve and worship the same God that we do. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They just simply don't know Jesus as their Messiah yet. But that, that will happen. Um, we talked about five raptures in the Bible. Uh, Enoch, way back in the book of um, 
Genesis, he walked with God, he was not, God took him. Elijah, Jesus, Paul, the church, the two witnesses in Revelation. In every period of time, every, um, in, in every dispensation, God, God approaches man just a little bit differently in each segment of time. But the way man approaches God is always the same and it's always intended to be by faith. That's what God responds to is our faith and our trust in him. So Jesus created the ages. There wasn't anything made. He, without him was not anything made that was made. Um, and after, after seven cycles of resetting things and, and fixing the earth and giving it back to man for another period of time, after seven cycles of that, we're going to get what we read already in 1 Peter 3, a new heaven and a new earth. So that's, that's our review. All right. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I said we were going to pick up this week with um, just a comparison of the rapture and the second coming of, of Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Paul to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Those are two separate things. His appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. But he mentions here his appearing and then, and then his kingdom. We can't just build a doctrine just on, on that verse alone, but, uh, but that is interesting. Uh, let's go to First um, Thessalonians chapter 4. And... Thessalonians is to the left of Timothy. This is really fun. I love this. Um, There's a guy that that used to say, where was he from, Louisiana? He said, I preach, he said, I preach like a fat man caught in a barbed wire fence. A point here and a point there, but you get the point. First so, Thessalonians 4, verse 17. Um, people will say, where is... They'll say, I can't find the word rapture in the Bible. Where is it? This is where it is. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. These teachings on end times are meant to minister comfort to our hearts. Okay? Why would a God who spends centuries across the scripture always saying, Fear not, fear not, Someone encounters an angel. An angel appears to someone. 
They get a message straight from heaven. The, the first words are always, fear not, fear not. Why would a God who always says, fear not, finish out his book with a horror story? It's not for us. Um, this word here in verse 17, caught up, that's the Greek word harpazo. All right? I, um, I'm not a Greek scholar. Actually, I dropped out of New Testament Greek at Northwestern. <laughs> What was his name? Dr. Glenby or something? Anyway, I didn't. I made it a few sessions, but that was about it. This word caught up here is... All right, when my kids get through laughing at me, um, caught up is the Greek word harpazo, and that's how you pronounce it. Um, and, um, and that's what it means. It means to be, it means to be caught, caught up. Um, I think I, I think I did have a note about that. Let's see. Um, in um, in Latin, the word is rapturo, and that's where in English we get the the word rapture. Okay. The um, the word harpazo means to seize, snatch away catch up, take by force. The word describes the Holy Spirit's action in transferring Philip, the evangelist, from one location to another location. Remember, he, he led the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ on this road going down to Gaza or something, and then baptized him. They come out of the water. Where's Philip? Poof, he's gone. And they find him in Azotus, in another city, long ways away. He was picked up and transferred there, okay? And the same word is used in 2 Corinthians 12, talking where Paul talks about being caught up to paradise. Um, it suggests the exercise of a sudden force. That's this word, harpazo, caught up. All right? Um, so, let's read about the rapture and put these, put these side by side. In fact, if you go down to the home screen, I have a picture about this, and it's, uh, there's, it, has two, it has a picture, two pictures on top and two columns side by side, if you can find it. It's on the left side of the, of the screen. There it is. Can you all see this? Okay, there's a couple... Rapture versus second coming. Um, there's, there's only a couple, uh, uh, there's a few more points at the bottom, so the whole thing isn't, isn't fitting. There, yeah, there you go. Okay, okay, leave it right there. Um, okay, there's only a couple errors here. This is actually supposed to be Revelation 19 instead of Revelation 9, and the person who did this misspelled disappearance. Aside from that, it's good. All right. Um, the rapture is, is, is on the left. Okay. In the, in the rapture, point number one, Christ comes for his own, for those who belong to him. Looking at the right column, point one, the second coming, Christ comes back with his own. 
Number two, Christ appears in the air, in the, in the rapture. He appears in the atmosphere. Point number three, Christ comes back to the earth. In the second coming, he returns all the way to his feet being literally on the ground on the top of the Mount of Olives, precisely where he left off from when he went to heaven. Number three, in the rapture, Christ comes as a loving bridegroom. In the second coming, number three, Christ comes as a vengeful warrior, king of kings. All right? So first coming, it was away in the manger and uh, real sweet little Christmas songs. Okay? Maybe even some country music. When he comes back, it's going to be rock and roll. Number four, only his own see him. At the time of the rapture, the believers, the ones who are caught up, we're the only ones that see him. Number four over there, every eye shall see him at the second coming. Number five, the rapture is a time of great joy for believers and the saved. In the second coming, it's a time of great fear for unbelievers and those that are lost. In the rapture right here, it's a secret disappearance. When he comes in the second coming, it's a public appearance. Number seven, at the time of the rapture, the focus is on the Lord and his church. And uh, at the second coming, his focus is on Israel and his kingdom. Okay? Now, zoom it Actually, just bring it down and leave that picture up there. I like that. There we go. Yeah, leave it there. Yeah, you can just, you can just leave it up there. I like that. Um, remember when Jesus was uh, always ministering, sending his disciples out, you know, two by two, ministering, preaching. Um, he was preaching under, under the Old Testament covenant, the, the dispensation of the law, and his message was always the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. He was all, everything was about the kingdom because the church was a mystery. This 2,000 year period of time, total mystery. The, the Old Testament prophets didn't see it at all. Um, anyway, Let's go a little, little deeper into this. Um, so I'm going to go to um, 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll do some Bible reading. We'll read about the rapture first. Starting in um, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I'm reading out of the New King James. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the, dead in, 
for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this mortal must put on, in, for this uh, corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is how we can be when we know our future. It, the, the fruit that it should produce in our life is helping us to be more established, more steadfast, and doing more for God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll go back over there. And we're reading once again about the rapture, starting in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Some believers had started to die. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who have passed on before us, their bodies are buried here. Their spirits are in heaven with Jesus. When he returns at the time of the rapture, he's bringing their spirits that are going to go and connect with their bodies in the grave, be changed and become immortal and resurrected. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, then there's those of us that are still alive here when, he, when this happens, will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Got a quote. My brother Phil Driscoll, he says, God likes pianos, but he loves trumpets. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, that was the rapture. We read it from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, let's read about the second coming. Book of Zechariah. Go to Matthew. Start going left. You'll find Zechariah. Old Testament prophet. Chapter 14. I'll give you a second to get there. This is important information. People that come against this teaching... They put themselves at a disadvantage. Uh, Zechariah 14, 
I'm going to start with verse 1 and read through verse 4. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight as those and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. We'll skip down to verses 8 and 9. And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea, which would be the, the Dead Sea, and half of them toward the western sea, that's the Mediterranean. In both summer and winter it shall occur, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one, and his name is one. Verse 14, Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be gathered together, gold, silver, apparel, in great abundance. Verse 16, and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. Interesting. Okay, that's the second coming. It's all about it's the battle of Armageddon and Jesus coming in to save Jerusalem and the Jewish people. And it's at that point they recognize him as their Messiah. Okay, Revelation 19. Same battle, different point of view. Revelation 19, starting in verse 11. Apostle John. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse... And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty god and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords that's the second coming we have 
another passage where we can compare and contrast this. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You can tell we're not, these are, these are two different stories, right? Who can see that these are two different stories? Can you see the rapture is like one story and this other is a totally different story? Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, it's not the same thing, you know, which uh, totally um, um, stops the argument, you know, saying, well, when Jesus returns, he just, he just returns, you know, and that there's no rapture and... And he's going to come back and somehow everything's going to pan out and it's, and we don't know what we don't know and we don't care and what time is lunch. You know, it's, it's not a good position to have. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering, our gathering together to him. He's going to assemble us and gather us together. The rapture is, the, is, is God's way of bringing the entire family that's died already, that's here with us, and the, and the family that's already in heaven to bring the whole family together in one place at one time for the, the, the judgment seat of Christ, where we'll be rewarded for our, our works. Um, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. There's something about that too. We, it's a, the, the, the great assembly of the saints if I want to be part of the great assembly there, but I'm neglecting the assembly of saints in the church here, that doesn't make sense. If I want to make sure that I'm ready for the great assembly there, I'm going to be a part of the assembly of saints here in the local church where God's called us to be. Something about that. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit, by word, by letter, as though the day of Christ had already come. Let no man deceive you. Um, so in verse 1, we have the, the gathering together unto him. Um, it's not the word harpazo, it's a different word. Um, but uh, down to verse 8, we have the second coming then. Then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So verse 1 is the, is the rapture, verse 8 is the second coming, and, and um, what happens between these two verses is, is the intervening um, period of time. Amen. Let's see how much further we want to go. 
I'm going to save some of this for next time. But I'll end here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was um, baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River. Right after that, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness where he was, where he fasted 40 days. He was hungry, and that's at a moment of weakness. That's when the devil seems to show up and, and tempts him. In verse 8, it says here, Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. This, uh, he was born to be a king. Over in Isaiah chapter 9, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Okay? Then it says, the government will be on his shoulder. So we have him born, and then we have him ruling, and that's all the Old Testament prophets could see. They, he's born of a virgin. The government's on his shoulder. The, 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 the period of the, of the church age was inserted right there between those verses in, in Isaiah 9. Um, it was a mystery. The prophets didn't even know about it. Um, but here... And, and Jesus, you know, as he's born, I mean, in his heart, he's born to be a king. We all want to, we, we all have uh, aspirations and things that we really want to do or, or become in life. Uh, and this was, this was part of what was in his heart. Here, he's being offered a path to rulership over the kingdoms without having to pass through the cross. Think about that. And it, so it was a valid temptation. But he submitted to the Father. He put it down. When Jesus stood before uh, Pilate, and Pilate says, don't you? He said, why aren't you defending yourself? Talk. Why don't you answer me? He got put out with him. And, and Jesus, then Jesus pushed back. And he said, my kingdom isn't of this world you wouldn't have any authority over me if it wasn't given to you from above. And he said, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. Not now. This is the same temptation and the same offer that the devil is going to give to the Antichrist. Right here. Rulership over the kingdoms of the world. We can see it in Revelation 13. It, it's, uh, it, it's his assignment. I mean, he, he, he fails at it, and there will be no successful 
world peace, world government, you know, outside of Jesus. But this is the same temptation right here in Matthew 4 that, that Jesus is going to give to the Antichrist if he hasn't already, and he's going to accept it. Revelation 11. And here's where we're going to close. But Jesus followed the will of God. He passed on that temptation. He passed through the cross. He said, okay, God, even if you don't take this cup from me, not my will, thine be done. He became our Savior. Revelation 11:15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Now he has the kingdoms. See that? He got it the right way. He, he came to this in God's way, in God's time. through being our Redeemer. Loud voices in heaven. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. That's where I'm finishing. Amen. Isn't that good? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Offering... We can look at um, Philippians 4.19. I'll just quote it to you. My God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That was Paul writing to his partners. And they were... They had supported him sent in offerings to help him with his ministry, which means they were connecting their finances to God's purposes. And because they connected their, 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 their heart and their prayers and their, and their finances to support the apostle, then the apostle says, my God is going to take care of you. And so it turns anything that we do vocationally into a holy calling because we're we're using it to to honor the Lord and and as we do that we we enter into a partnership where we give and and he now now God has some where where he he reaches back and 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 meets our needs so at outpost church we give online at outpostchurch.life forward slash give if you have a physical offering, um, we have a box for that. And praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you for increasing us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for your word going out beyond this room and, uh, and touching hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
keeping everyone this week under your protection, under your grace, for strengthening hearts, for helping us to keep on walking and keep on doing what we're supposed to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So glad for your, that you're with us. Know that as a part of this body, we think about you, we pray for you, we love you. Bring somebody to church. We'll see you next time. Amen.
When you breathe, dry bones come to life. When you breathe, dead hearts beat inside. When you breathe, heaven comes to earth. It changes everything. When you breathe, walls start breaking down. When you breathe, brand new songs pour out. When you